That's where all the beauty happens. Frustrated with your pain or injury? That sucks, but I'm here to help. Hi, my name is Denise Deshetler and I'm a body worker and educator. Why is it so hard to find the care we need to feel better? Most of my clients have asked that question for years until we started working together. Now I'm gonna help you find those answers. I'll explore different health disciplines and chat with talented practitioners. We'll share our insights and practical advice to help you get the results you need to feel good again. Because seeking the right care for your health can be a pain in the arse. But with me, your wellness journey will turn into a fun-filled adventure. Buckle up, baby, for the Passionate Health Advocate Show. Welcome, listeners, and thanks for joining another Health Success Story episode. Health Success Stories are episodes where everyday people turn into their own health advocate superstar. I am here with Taylor Hunt. He's a 40-year-old yoga teacher residing in Ohio. His favorite binge series during COVID has been Peaky Blinders. Taylor had a long battle overcoming his addiction to drugs and alcohol. Now he's going to share with us his incredible healing journey and how he turned his life around. Hi, Taylor. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show today. Oh, you're very welcome. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time and being willing to share your health success story. We're really grateful that you're here and want to hear all about what you want to tell us with your journey. Yeah. I mean, where to even start? Uh, you know, like my health, uh, health success story is really about me recovering from drugs and alcohol. Um, that's, that's really the, the biggest part of, um, you know, the first part of my life was all addiction. And then uh, eventually I, I made it into recovery, but it was a long road for sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was rough. I mean, you know, like I started drinking when I was about 15 years old and, and, you know, just kept on graduating to new substances. And, and I, um, you know, I could never really kind of put the puzzle pieces together. And I didn't really know that I had a problem at a certain point. Um, but it was this compulsion that I could not stop. Um, and you know, it, it took about 10 to 12 years of drinking and using before I finally realized that I needed to change. So, and it was, it was really difficult. Dark. I mean, I was putting needles in my arms 30 times a day. Um, you know, with heroin, uh, it was, it was, it was like slow suicide and, um, you know, I almost lost my life a few times and, um, I also tried to commit suicide. Um, there was just a lot of things that were going on in the early part. And this is really 15 to 25, um, or 26, something like that. So from your eight, from age 15 to 25. Is yeah. 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 And I just turned 40. So, um, you know, just give it some perspective. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that sounds like a long journey. What was it, um, that made the shift for you of, you know, it sounds like a decade of dealing with, uh, addiction. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a decade. Um, and you know, I don't know what it was. Um, I just know that I kind of like painted myself into a corner, uh, to a certain extent. And I had no other options. My, my family really left me. 
um, you know, I had a, a wife at the time, ex-wife now, and, um, you know, she was on me to get sober. Um, I lost my job. Um, I was, I was flipping houses and, you know, working in the business world and, you know, I basically became unemployable. Um, and then I, we basically had the houses that I was flipping also like, you know, foreclose on. And so then I, you know, filed for bankruptcy and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, my whole world was just like crumbling, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, like I look back and I look at the 20 year olds and the 22 year olds and they're, they're babies. And like, at that point in time, like I was learning some really hard lessons, you know? Um, and I don't think people really, I don't think most people learn them that early. I think they learn them later on. And I was just getting hit one right after the next, but I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop drinking and using. I, I couldn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, I didn't feel well. I didn't feel like I could fit in. I had a bunch of success like business wise, but, um, you know, I, I was just, I couldn't put the puzzle pieces together. I was trying to fill this gaping hole inside. And, um, I did it with drugs and alcohol instead of, you know, God and connection with other people and doing the right things and, you know, living my passion and purpose and all these kind of, kind of things that fill your soul. Uh, I was not filling my soul. I was, um, I was killing myself. I mean, it literally was. So. So, yeah, it, it sounds like, you know, kind of going through the motions and kind of, it sounds like a lot of emptiness that you were yeah. living in there. Yeah. I mean, I felt, um, I mean, I felt like I wasn't like in alignment with the things that I was doing, you know, I was Mm -hmm. basically clinically depressed, you know, but then, you know, I was also taking a depressed, I was drinking every single day too. So, I I mean, I I don't know what was real at that point of whether or not I actually, it was because of the substance or actually had like some sort of mental health stuff go on, but I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin and I didn't feel like I was living way that I should have been living. Like my conscience was like, literally like, you're not supposed to be here. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. This is not where you're supposed to be at in your life. You know, like you're supposed, you're raised better than this. You know, it's like, you have a connection to God. You have a, you know, it's like you have a family, like, why are you destroying all of these things that are, and, and it was me that was destroying them. You know, it's like the mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol were just really a symptom of really what was going on with me. And I fell into, I mean, I know now that it was anxiety and depression um, kind of mixed together mm-hmm. um, and kind of going between the two. And I used so that I could numb that so I could feel better uh, because I didn't feel good at that time. So I was using it as medication. Right. So. That makes sense. That makes sense. So after a decade, um, what started to pull you out of that darkness, as you say? Yeah. Well, so I reached a spot where I didn't really want to live anymore. Um, and that just to be completely frank, um, and I was looking at ways to like kill myself and, and, uh, my ex-wife, she, she basically, uh, set up an appointment to a treatment center and they came, uh, like they came to the car to pick me up. She drove me there and they came and they put me on a gurney and they strapped me down to the bed. And if she, they wouldn't have strapped me down to the bed, um, Denise, I, I literally would not have, um, I, I wouldn't have stayed. I would have ran for sure. And, uh, I spent three days in a treatment center, um, detox, uh, um, unit and they withdrew me from, you know, the drugs. And I, I basically like 
was strapped down to the bed the entire time. They, they like fed me and stuff. And, and by the end of the, the three days, they like took us down to the cafeteria. They fed us like real food. You know, I, I like, I guess I had like what, what you would call like sort of a spiritual moment where, um, I was going back after I ate and I was getting ready to go to sleep and I just got on my knees and I was like, I will do whatever it takes in order to not live the way that I was living. And I was on my knees and I started bawling my eyes out. And I was like, I don't want to live this way anymore. Um, and I, I crawled up in the bed, um, and I laid down and it was maybe the first time in at least five years of the 10, 12 years of, of drinking and using that, um, I got like eight hours of sleep and I woke wow. up. Yeah. And the first thing that I said was, I want to live again. Um, Oof. yeah. And, and from that moment, I basically made a decision and that was my fourth time at a treatment center, you know, and mm -hmm. I made a decision that I was going to do, I was going to find a sponsor, you know, I was going to find, you know, all of these like people to help me, um, you know, stay sober. And, and I did everything that they asked me to do. Wow. Wow. That's really incredible. Thank you for sharing that with us. It sounds like um, you said that was your fourth time. Yeah. Yeah. It was wow. my fourth time. Okay. Cause I know they yeah. always say three times a charm. I mean, I would say four times a, a miracle maybe. No. Yeah. For you? I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I just know that, you know, uh, it's hard to share. Um, so sorry. I needed a moment there, but um, you know, I, it's, it's hard to share because like, even though it feels like a different person, um, that experience that I can still feel it in my body. Um, I, you know, I can still, you know, it's, it's real to me. And so I got a little choked up there. So oh. sorry about that. No, don't apologize. Um, you can take all the time you need. And again, <laughs> uh, this is, I mean, this is not a joke. Like this is your life and you went through some very powerful stuff and you even mentioned at such a young age and it sounds like you're living a whole different life now. So I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your truth with us. And all of this is so we can learn from what you experience and, and give inspiration for other people that may be going through something similar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad I get to share it nowadays. I, I have a lot of friends that uh, have passed away from the disease of alcoholism and drug addiction. And, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm still here. So. Well, we are too. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, obviously that, you know, people say that you have to hit rock bottom for some change. Would you feel that that happened to you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Bankrupt, uh, you know, financially, uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, you know, all my relationships were gone. Um, yeah. So definitely I hit rock bottom and, and, um, you know, it kind of became like sort of the bedrock that I built, you know, these new behaviors. I started going to 12 step meetings, you know, I started sharing a little bit about my story. I started working the steps. I started like reading more about religions and things like that, that, to, you know, to fill me up inside. And so I definitely hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, but it became, it became the bedrock 
uh, it became the foundation. Um, I couldn't go any lower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like you, yeah, you've been a bedrock, a rock, you know, big rock for you to grow into the person you're meant to be. It seems like. Yeah. Wow. Sure. That's, that's really incredible. So in this show, we talk a lot about health and, and overcoming challenges and being our advocate. And what you've been mentioning has come up a couple of times um, was, uh, you know, spirituality or, you know, relationship with God is, was that a big component into moving you through, um, shifting from being a user to someone that's now recovered and living the life that you want to live? Um, yeah, it, it is a big part of it because like, I, you know, I, from an early age, I felt like sort of drawn to the spirit, um, not, not necessarily specific religion, but sort of, the undercurrent in all of the religions. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I think it was a lot easier for me to get sober because like, I already had established relationship with, with, you know, like my higher power and, and, um, I was able to, I don't know, I guess kind of make amends, you know, for like, you know, hurting myself, but also like severing, severing the connection between, uh, you know, me and my higher power. And, you know, it's like for people to stay sober, um, they have to, it has to be about something bigger. There has to be a connection to something bigger. And, uh, some people just use the 12 step meeting. Some people use their sponsor, you know, or a group mm -hmm. of people, mother nature, things like that. Mine just happened to be like just this kind of universal spirit. Um, and, and so that was, uh, it was crucial, uh, because I mean, still today, I get on my knees and I say a prayer, I say prayers, um, morning and evening, you know, thanking, thanking me for waking up, uh, in the morning and, and thanking me or thanking again for, you know, basically, uh, staying sober that day. And wow. I still do, I still do that, you know, to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, again, you've moved into a way of living and that's an, I would say habit. I feel like I'm downplaying the habit, but a ritual for say, um, of what you do, keeping you on this path. And I mean, I can imagine when you're addicted, it's like a power stronger than yourself. Obviously you cannot get past that. So when you said to move forward, it needs to be bigger than you. And, you know, a lot of times on the show, we talk about very difficult times when people are you know, dealing with their health. And so I'm glad you brought up the spiritual point of, I don't think that aspect is brought up enough in here. And there's all these angles of how we can move forward and better ourselves. And so the fact that you were able to tap in and that's really resonated with you. Um, I feel like that might also resonate with other listeners besides, you know, trying to pump themselves up to do it for themselves, which is great, but, but maybe you need that support that, you know, intangible support that's bigger than all of us to help guide you through it. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely needed it. Um, I, 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 100%, I still need it today. So, and it's a big part of my life. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, so how would you say your life is now, now that you've turned 40, um, from where you were at 25 hitting rock bottom? I mean, my life is substantially different, um, than, than it was, you know, like today I'm a business owner, um, you know, I'm, uh, an author, 
you know, I am a yoga teacher. Um, I get to travel in a, internationally and, and teach yoga students. Um, but I think most important is that I'm a father to three children, um, three, six and 11 year old, uh, two boys and, and one girl. And then I'm also husband to um, an amazing spouse, you know, someone who is just like, um, you know, we're the best team that I've ever uh, yeah, I can't say enough about it. And I never thought I was worthy of that. I never thought I was worthy of like being a father. Um, didn't necessarily have a very good role model with that. And, um, you know, I never thought that I would get back in the business world. I mean, so all of these things, like they're blessings, you know, today, because like, I feel like I'm living my passion and my purpose. I feel like the things um, that are meant for me, have come into my life because I've gotten sober. And that's uh, truly a blessing. Um, like I can't, I can't say it enough. Um, it's really important. Um, you know, and so nowadays, like, you know, it started with yoga and I started teaching yoga. And once I started teaching yoga, I started realizing that, you know, like it was opening up my heart and my mind mm. and, um, and literally it opened up every single channel along with the 12 steps really helped me get my life back together and, and figure out like how to clean up my side of the street, but also, you know, be a good father, be a good husband, um, you know, open up a business, have enough courage to do that. Those kind of things. Wow. Congratulations. That's wonderful. I mean, people talk about the story of success and having that balanced life and a lovely family that you're so proud of. I mean, that's, I mean, that's all anybody could ask for right so congratulations right. yeah wow. thank you oh yeah it's the passionate health advocate dance break now get up and shake your thing What would be, um, what did you think your biggest lesson was for this journey? Um, my biggest lesson for this is to stop doing things that aren't your passion and your purpose. Because every single day that I woke up and I worked the nine to five, and I was in the corporate world, even though that I, I was making a lot of money, there was a part of me that was sort of like dying on the inside as a result of it. And I, um, my, so my biggest lesson is, is that stop doing stuff that isn't part of your passion and purpose. And, um, and that, that it was really important to me when I started my yoga business because I realized that in order for me to do that, I really had to shift focus and I had to like totally pay attention to kind of like my heart instead of like my mind and, and greed and all of this stuff. I had to like sort of be an artist instead of like being in the corporate world, uh, so to speak, which is a different part of the brain. And so my biggest lesson is, is like to stop wasting time on things that don't, don't matter and start doing the thing that you are supposed to do with your life. 
And I think everyone sort of has this idea of what they want to be. You know, I have friends who wanted to be artists like way back, you know, when I was in high school that chose to like put down the thing that they were best at in order to be an accountant or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and not yeah. that an account and not that an accountant is a bad job. That's not what I, it wasn't supposed to be their job though. Right. You know, they were supposed to be artists and, and, um, and because they were, they were fearful of like how people would look at them and would they make enough money and, you know, like would people buy their art and all of this kind of stuff. And I don't, I don't want to live my life like that today. Like, uh, I want to live my life with the things that I value and also like not be afraid of like the money question and like live from the heart instead of from the mind. And, and that's what I've been doing for, for the last 15 years, really. Wow. That's beautifully said. And, uh, I, I mean, that's kind of the hope for everyone, right? If they can follow in those footsteps Uh, for me, it sounds like, you know, you weren't feeding your soul and now you are. Yeah. 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 And so many people I think are kind of up against this. Like who wants to sit in a cubicle all day and work for another person and, you know, be told to do, and when you can go on a break, it's like, you know, like life is supposed to have meaning. And mm-hmm. what I, I had to leave that I, and I had to have the courage to do it. And then I had to like do my own thing and had to follow my heart. And um, what happened was this, is that it just opened up so many doors for me. You know, like when you really like live by the spirit and you live with faith and you live with like sort of like this open heart. I mean, it's like you ask yourself, it's like, OK, well, if money is no object. Like, what would I really want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's when the, fl- like the flood of emotions and passions come out and, you know, and, and that's where, that's where all the beauty happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary until you get to that side, right? You got to cross over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I know, um, people would probably say, well, yeah, if I don't want to think about the money, but a lot of us have to think about the money. So would you say that when you opened your heart, did opportunities also open up for you? Yeah. So I have never, so over the last 15 years, um, you know, obviously money is important. I'm not downplaying it. It, it is important. Um, but I have a hundred percent success rate. Once I found my passion and purpose, a hundred percent success rate that I've been taken care of as a result of like opening up my heart and like doing what I'm supposed to do on this planet Mm -hmm. and like fulfilling like my Dharma, um, you could call it. And so, um, I've never not been taken care of. I've always been taken care of, um, in the middle of a pandemic, I've still been taken care of, which is terrible for yoga businesses. If you know what I mean? Mm, I know what Um, you mean. Yeah. 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 And so I, um, you know, I got, I have a success rate. I I haven't had to worry about, um, money. It has come when it's needed. I've always been taken care of. I still work for it. I still put in the, the effort, the action to, you know, to get, to get things for my children, for myself, those kind of kind of stuff. But it's not the main focus. The main focus is that it's like really dialed into, um, how do I best serve another person? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I open my heart more? How do I give back more? You know, how, how do I leave this place better than, you know, the way that I found it? 
Nice. Yeah. And it sounds like the money's a byproduct. You're just following. It sounds like you have faith. Like now your faith just sounds really strong. Faith in yourself, faith in the world supporting you, faith in the higher powers that's supporting you. And as you lead with your heart, the byproduct is you're taken care of financially. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what, I mean, for me, I think that's what truth faith is about. You know, it's like you put yourself out there, you know, you have some success or, you know, you have like you present yourself like with some level of vulnerability about your story or about whatever um, that you're that you're trying to accomplish. And and um, and that's faith. That's like walking, walking with faith. Yeah. Yeah. Walking into the unknown and, and believing it's possible. Wow. Yeah. So what, what advice would you have for listeners, um, for those that maybe are currently dealing with addiction or those that are maybe just stepping out and no longer using, what would kind of advice would you give for people? Yeah. I mean, my first advice would be that, uh, they should find a tour guide to help them because they can't do it alone. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we say like in the 12 step meetings that it's a, we program, but I believe this is actually true for really everything. You know, it's like yeah. the, the, the idea of independence uh, is, is awesome. You know, like everyone wants their freedom and autonomy and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's all important. But like we do things in our tribes with another individual, um, you know, with our spouse or partner, those kind of things. Um, and so find a, find a person that can help you walk through it. And, you know, for me, that was a sponsor, also a therapist, also a sobriety network of people um, that could help me through that I could call if I needed help. Um, That's number one. Number two is that uh, find out what your connection to your higher power is. You know, if you have one, if you don't have one, but it should be at least inventoried and looked at and evaluated. And um, and then after that, I would strongly suggest uh, because it has the highest success rate is that people go to 12 step meetings, Um, even though that there's a lot of stigma around them. um, Still currently today, out of every treatment center program, any of this stuff, um, it is it is the highest uh, percentage of people actually getting sober. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, which I believe is about like 27 percent, which is not high. Um, but, um, 12 step can definitely help save people's lives. So, and then my, my last one would be like, find a mindfulness based program and find yoga. Um, those are, those are my advice for, for people because all of those things work for me. It's part of like the nonprofit work that I do. Um, I run a a charity that is called the Trini foundation Mm -hmm. and the Trini foundation, um, helps combine like the 12 steps with the eight limbs of yoga and we teach in treatment centers and all this different kind of stuff. And, and, uh, we provide access to yoga because it's so important. Um, you know, mindfulness is so important as we move through this stuff. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. That's great. I'm so glad you're yeah. offering that, but I'm glad you brought up the mindfulness and yoga and it, and it makes sense that that was a recipe to lead you to the life that you're living now. And I can imagine when we're dealing with addiction, it's, you know, mind control, right? There's, you don't really have a sense of control for yourself. And so when you're able to step into mindfulness, each moment you have that power back. That's, I mean, that just sounds great. Wow. 
So how would you, with your program that you're offering, what is it called again? It's called the Trinity Foundation and it's a charity. It's a 501c3. Um, you can check out the website. It's T-R-I-N-I foundation.org. And, um, you know, over the last uh, six years, we've raised uh, several hundred, excuse me, several hundreds of thousands of dollars um, to offer scholarships for people to go to yoga um, studios. And then also we've, um, you know, pay teachers to go in and teach at treatment centers. And so, mm-hmm. and currently like we're in the process of moving into different areas in addiction as well. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um. Okay. So anything else you want to leave with our listeners as far as uh, your journey or what to expect or people that may know somebody dealing with addiction? I mean, you know, I think that for people that are dealing with addiction, I think the best thing to do is to continue to have honest conversations and not, um, not have codependent conversations. It's one of the things that saved my life is I had people around me at one point that were like, yes, men. You know, they just mm. told me, yeah, yeah, they were just patting me on the butt and tell me what everything was okay. And it's part of why I mentioned the sponsor and finding that that person who, you know, you can talk to is because you need someone to tell you the truth, because like addiction is, uh, you know, um, a disease of denial. You know, it's an allergy um, that um, after drinking creates a craving for more. And uh, it's an obsession of the mind, that craving. And, and so um, really having those people in your life that can tell you the truth. And, and you know, for, for the people who helped me the most, it was my family that walked away from me, mm-hmm. you know. And that's a really difficult thing to do for someone who is basically dying. But as my family did that, I realized the consequences of my actions. And then I was able to, to actually get sober. And uh, if it wasn't for my ex-wife and it wasn't for a bunch of other things, um, I wouldn't be here today. All right, Taylor, thank you so much for uh, your peace advice, your your words of wisdom, um, not only about the lessons that you learned, the pillars that you use to get yourself through recovery and just advice for people that are dealing with addiction and loved ones that may have somebody that are dealing with addiction. So I want to thank you so much for sharing uh, your your wonderful story. And I'm so happy that you have a life that you love living and you feel fulfilled. Yeah. Well, thank you, Denise. I, I really appreciate you uh, putting me on the show and, and allowing me to share my story. And honestly, uh, it's a, I'm grateful for it. So thank you very much. Hey, did you know the Passionate Health Advocate Show's one-year anniversary is almost here? We'll check out the next episode for more details. Thanks for joining the Passionate Health Advocate Show with your host, Denise DeShetler. Like what you hear? Then subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.